Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. I don't eat on Sundays until after the third service, so that just made me hungry. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Everybody doing okay? Amen. We're so glad you're here. Uh, Today we're going to conclude our series entitled Spent. We've been talking about finances and generosity and living the blessed life over the last couple of weeks. We're going to finish the series today. Um, Before we dive in and talk about the generous eye, that's going to be our subject today, the generous eye, I wanted to start with something funny. Um, There was a teenage boy who he passed his driver's license, and so uh, after he, he passed the test, he came home, and he said, Dad, can I borrow the car? And his dad said, well, I'll make a deal with you. You bring your grades up, you read your Bible every day, and you cut your hair, you can borrow the car. And he said, all right, all right. Several weeks went by, and he came back, and he's like, Dad, can I borrow the car? And he said, well, you brought your grades up, you're reading your Bible every day, but you still haven't cut your hair. The son replied back to his dad. He said, yeah, but Moses had long hair, and Samson had long hair. Even Jesus had long hair, Dad. And his dad responded back to him and said, yep, you are right, but they walked everywhere they went. <laughs> Lighten the mood so we can get the words sewn in you today, all right? Um, some of y'all get it on the way home. Uh, in week one, in week one, we talked about developing a heart of generosity, uh, that the key to the blessed life is having a heart of generosity. We talked about three mindsets. We talked about the bag mindset that we just never have. We would like to be generous, but we just don't have enough. Um, the next one is the basket mindset, where we start to believe and learn and walk in the fact that God is more than enough. And then finally, we arrived at the barn mindset, which is God is infinitely more than enough. Last week, we talked about the blessed test, that as it relates to our giving, God is watching how we handle finances. He's watching how we manage it, how we steward it. He's, he's looking to see if we are growing in generosity, because as a follower of Christ, one of the traits of a follower of Christ is that we should be generous. We should be givers, not always taking, but we should be looking for opportunities to give. And so God tests us with finances. Now, the cool thing is we get to test God with finances. It's the only place in Scripture that God says, test me or prove me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. So God is testing us, but gives us permission to test him, to hold him to his word. So today I want to talk about the generous eye and just remind everyone that it is truly more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we need to be growing in this. And I heard this story about two kids. They were having a discussion about giving. There was a six-year-old boy and a five-year-old girl, and the little boy was saying to her, saying to the little girl, you need to give your money to charity. And if you give your money to charity, it's just like giving it to God. And the little girl said, I'm not giving my money to charity. And the little boy said, you need to give your money. Please give your money to charity. It's just like giving it to God. 
The little girl said, I don't know who Charity is, but if I did, I wouldn't like her anyway, and she's not getting my money. A lot of, a lot of us, we feel like that when it comes to money, when it comes to the blessing of God in our lives. We feel like it's mine. I'm not sharing it. I'm not giving any of it up. I worked hard for it. And we have a very small mindset as it relates to finances and generosity. But if you'll look with me at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9, it says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed. Some people have an eye for talent, others an eye for fashion. If you're like me, I have an eye for food. But God says you can have a generous eye. What does that look like? Well, it's very simple. It's when we get to a place in our walk with God that we are literally praying and asking God, God, how do you want me to utilize what you've blessed me with to bless other people? How can what you've given me, how can I use that, God, to make a difference in someone else's life? That's, that's what it means to have a generous eye. Now, when we give, we know that God gives back. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. He brings us into a place of blessing. But a lot of people never experience God's goodness or his blessing as it relates to giving because they have what I call a poverty mindset. And many people in the church have a poverty mindset because many people were raised that, um, you know, we don't have a lot, and so we have to keep everything we have and, and, and gather, gather, gather. And, and they were even taught, you know, Jesus was poor, you need to be poor. And, and what they don't know is they're not teaching the Bible when they say things like that, okay? What you have to understand is God wants to bring you to a place, not just to where you're, you're able to get by. God wants to bless you to be a blessing. Anybody want to be blessed? Like four of you. The rest of you are like, I just get by, preacher, I'm good. Look at Deuteronomy 8. It says, Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you out into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity and which you will lack nothing. So God says to his people, I'm going to bring you out of bondage. I'm going to bring you out of slavery, but I'm going to take you into a land not of lack. I'm going to bring you into a land of abundance. Now, this is really cool because a lot of people want to live in the land of get by, like I just got to get through the day. Um, but God took them out of the desert, okay? The desert was a picture of just getting by. If you'll remember, when God first brought them out before they ever went into the promised land, they got just enough food, just enough manna each day to survive. You remember that? Like, and if they gathered up more than what they needed for the day, it, it went bad. And so God was, he, he brought them to this place where they got just enough to survive, just enough to get by. But God said, I'm going to bring you into a land where you lack nothing. It, it's going to be a beautiful place. I, I don't want you to live with a get by attitude. I'm going to bring you into a place of abundance. All right. A place of overflow, where you really recognize that I am the God of more than enough. Before we can step in to that kind of blessing, though, we have to deal with the poverty mindset. 
Because a lot of people have a, a scarcity mindset, uh, almost like come through the depression mindset. Uh, and, and you will find that in a lot of people who came through the, de- the Great Depression, that because it was so bad, it, it trained them to keep and store up and never to give, never to be generous. But you never know when that rainy day's coming, right? And so we just gather and we store and we gather and we store. But we have to change our minds. We may have to get rid of some bad teaching that we've heard about finances and about the blessing because God is not broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God is not broke. Um, If you go over in your Bible to Revelation 21, you'll find there that in in Revelation 21, John saw a vision. God gave him an, an amazing vision. But in John 21, uh, or Revelation 21, John saw this guy who was measuring heaven, its gates and its walls. He's measuring it. And he saw, and nothing about that really stands out except for he's measuring it with a solid gold tape measure. Like it's solid gold. Now, I I think, I know that many of us, we think it's a big deal if somebody has a gold-plated pen But this is a solid gold tape measure, and that's not the end of it. When you continue reading, you find out that heaven, the place where we're going to spend eternity, the structure of its walls is jasper. The city is pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation is made of precious stones. The streets are paved with gold, and God has 12 gates made from pearl. In other words... God's not broke. His name is not El Getbah. His name is El Shaddai, which means the God of more than enough. I'm going to say that one more time. His name is not El Getbah. His name is El Shaddai, which means the God of more than enough. How many know that our God has more than enough? He's not running out. Okay? So we have to change our mindset. And we know, we've learned in this series, the tithe belongs to God, and it connects us to the blessing. I don't have time to teach it, but the tithe actually waters your seed. Tithe brings protection, God's protection and provision into your life, that God will stop the enemy from devouring your seed, that the tithe actually waters and protects the seed that you sow. And so the Bible does not teach us to embrace poverty Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. What was the curse of the law? Sin, sickness, poverty, and disease. Jesus came. How many want all of it? Two of you. Praise the Lord. Y'all are really pumped up today. All right. Sin, sickness, poverty, and disease. He came to, to break its power in our life. Psalm 35 says, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Genesis 12 says, God's plan is to bless you so that you become a blessing. That's where we we get it wrong. We want to be blessed to be blessed. But God wants us to be blessed to be a blessing, all right? And, And then Deuteronomy 28 says, part of God's covenant is that all these blessings will come upon you and actually overtake you. Some of y'all about to get tackled by a blessing. It's going to come up and spear you. Listen, God has more than enough. He wants to bring us to a place 
of abundance, not so we can sit by, back and say, I, I thank God for all my blessings, like it's just for us. God wants to do that so that you and I will develop a generous eye, and everywhere we go, we are making an eternal difference. Um, Luke 6, 38, I quoted it a minute ago, give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, when you give, God gives back. And how many know God gives more than you do? You cannot outgive God. It's impossible. I think that's why he says, prove me in this. Test me and see what I'll do. The bottom line of this, though, is that the enemy wants to distort our view on God's blessing. He wants us to have a messed up view on what it means to be blessed. And so he's always trying to distort that and, and, and get us away from this principle that works whether you're saved or if you're not saved, it still works. If you sow, you will reap. Not just with money, but how many know if you sow kindness, you'll reap kindness. If you sow, if you sow encouragement, you'll reap encouragement. If you sow generously financially, then you will reap financially. It's a principle that works in every area of your life. Some people are like, well, pastor, I just want to increase the standard of my living. Well, that's wonderful, but that'll happen if you'll first increase the standard of your giving. I'm going to say that one more time. If you want to increase the standard of your living, you should first increase the standard of your giving. Give, and it will be given back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Now, there are two wrong responses to God's blessing that I want to talk about. When God blesses us, we respond to the blessing, and I want to, I want to cover two of the wrong ways to respond to his blessing. The first is pride. A lot of people, when they get blessed, when they come into increase, they get, they get prideful about what they have. You know, they begin to think, look at the work of my hands. Look at what I've done for myself. I've worked hard. Everybody else is lazy, but not me. Look at all this blessing. I, I've made it happen, and they become proud as it relates to what uh, they have in their life. The, the problem is, is that when we're proud over the blessings in that kind of way, it simply means that we have forgotten where the blessing came from. We've forgotten where the blessing comes from. Revelation 3, 17, Jesus dealt with a church that didn't understand where the blessing came from. He said, he said this, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So he's speaking to a church that had started to move into tremendous prosperity tremendous blessing and overflow and abundance. And when they came into their abundance, when they came into their blessing, they said, look at what we have acquired. We have no need of anything. We have everything we need. We don't even need God because we got all this blessing. And when, when Jesus addresses them, he said, you think you have need of nothing but I'm here to tell you that you're blind, you're pitiful, you're, you're poor, and you're naked. You're proud of what you have because you have forgotten who gave it to you. This nation, I think we can look at it. We can take a step back and look at it. And a lot of times, I, I, think, I think it's so true, we could look at our nation and a lot of people have forgotten where the blessing came from. Forgotten. It. See, we get hung up on the blessing. But we need to talk about the one who blesses. 
the one who gave us the blessing that we have received. But proud people, they, they, they think that they have acquired it. They've done all this work. They have a, a spirit of entitlement and pride. Now, you don't have to be extremely blessed to be, to be uh, prideful. You can be poor and be prideful. What's that look like? Well, if I had what you had, if I made what you made, listen, if you ever want abundance in your life, don't criticize the people who have abundance. What you celebrate, all right, in someone else, you can attract in your life. But what you disrespect in someone else, that thing's never coming close to you. All right? So you can, be, you can have pride and live in abundance, and you can have pride and be broke by, by judging everybody else's blessing. The second response is shame. Now, this one's interesting because when it comes to money, a lot of people are embarrassed over their blessing. They're ashamed of what God has brought into their life. It's almost like um, some people want to hide the blessing. Um, Genesis chapter 32, verses 9 and 10, it says this, Jacob prayed, O Lord, who said to me, I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. So God told Jacob, he said, Jacob, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm, I'm going to bring you into abundance. And what was Jacob's response? I'm not worthy, God. I, I don't deserve your kindness. I don't deserve your faithfulness. I don't deserve the blessing. I, 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 don't, I haven't earned this. I don't deserve it. And so you got pride on one end, and you got shame on another end. Example, let's, let's walk this out practically because I want you all to know what I'm talking about. If you're prideful and somebody says, hey, I really like your shirt, here's what pride says. You ought to like it. I paid 200 bucks at the mall for this. That's pride. Shame, if, you, if, you're, if you're living in shame, you'd be like, oh, I just got that at the Goodwill for two bucks. I'm going to keep going until I get some reaction. All right. It, it, you, you got a car, and somebody says, I really like your car. You ought to like it. That's a Mercedes. I paid 80 grand, wrote a check for it, baby. Pride. Shame is, oh, no, that's nothing. That's just a company car. You got pride, you got shame. Oh, I love you. Ought to love you. This is what I paid for it, and I got granted. And then, you know, you go on and on. But if you if you live in shame as it relates to the blessing, you'll be like, oh, it's no big deal. We built it with our own hands, and you know, and, and we saved this, and it took us thirty nine years to build the house, and we just want, we don't want anybody to think we're actually blessed that God could have given us a brand new house. We got to hide it or we got to magnify like we made it happen. Both responses are wrong. And, and when, when it comes to shame and money, how come that money is the only place we have shame? Like if somebody says, your spouse is amazing, you go, no, nah, she ain't all that. She's all right. If somebody recognizes your financial blessing, you want to play it off. But if they recognize your spouse as being amazing, you agree and say, that's right, I, God did bless me. Or they talk about, God did bless me. We, we don't, we're not afraid to say, yeah, God blessed me with a great spouse or with these kids or with, with, with all our health maybe. We even brag about that. Like, yeah, God's given me great health and I'm thankful. And, and, but when it comes to money, why are we so embarrassed of the blessing? Why are we ashamed of the blessing? 
I'm not saying we need to be boastful. Obviously, we covered, we shouldn't be prideful. We need to know where it comes from. But if God gives you a brand new million-dollar house and he gives it to you, enjoy your blessing. Come on, somebody, enjoy it. Oh, y'all patty caking now. We'll keep rolling. The key is, the key, hit your neighbor and say, enjoy your blessing. All right, you don't have to hide it and company car and we build it with our own hands over 50 years. You don't have to be like, you don't have to be ashamed of your blessing. All right, if God has blessed you, enjoy the blessing, but understand that our, our response is to develop a heart of generosity where it's not just our handout to receive blessing, but we are actually becoming like Abraham. We are blessed to be a blessing. Everywhere we go, we have a generous eye and a generous heart, and we're meeting needs and flowing in generosity. Why? Because we know who blessed us. We know who blessed us. So we have to remember why God has blessed us. 2 Corinthians 9 and 11, he said, you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I love that. Rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The blessing of God is bigger than finances. If you think the blessing is only money, you have a small mind as it relates to the blessing. Because what if you got, what if you're a millionaire but your health is gone? Maybe you got all the money in the world in the bank, but you, you, you're going through a divorce. The blessing of God is more than finances. Like, what good is all the finances if you're in poor health and laid up in a bed? All the finances in the world is no good at all. I guess you can get better care, but how many would rather have your health, right? And, and so the blessing of God, God's blessing, he said, I'll make you rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. So the blessing of God is not limited to money. God wants to prosper your relationships. He wants to bless your children. How many know that Jesus, the stripes that was placed on him, was for my healing and my health, that I can walk in wholeness of mind, heart, and spirit? He wants to bless every part of my life. I'll make you rich in every way. You'll be blessed to be a blessing. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, it says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, God says, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. All the peoples on the earth blessed through you. How many know you can't, do, you can't be that broke? How are, how are we going to clothe the naked, feed the poor, change the world if we all live in lack? Listen, listen, we're going to get into this in January because we're going to transition into the kingdom. The kingdom has an economy that's not of this world. God can bring supernatural increase into your life that has nothing to do with where you clock in and clock out. See, it's going to take a lot, of, a lot of preaching and a lot of faith for us to get there because a lot of us, we think the boss man is the source. you got a limited view of God's blessing if you think the boss. But, but if you believe that way, listen, you'll be stuck that way. God wants us to transition into his economy. 
which means the economy in the natural may be going through a downturn, but if you're in the kingdom, you don't have to experience a downturn. You can actually prosper in the midst of the downturn. And we're going to step into that coming in January. We're going to talk more about what that looks like because the blessing comes from God. He, he said in Deuteronomy, we read it, he said the blessing will pursue you and overtake you. That that blessing will actually chase you down. And, and here's, here's, let's sum this up. Let's sum today up in one sentence. Because God has blessed us with more, we will intentionally give more. Because God has blessed us with more, we will intentionally give more. We, we've talked about in this series that um, Americans, we live in the top, you know, so many percent of the world. Half the world lives on $2 a day or less, which means you and I are blessed. But because we have been blessed with more, we will be intentional. That's the key word. We will intentionally give more. Think about this. A lot of us, if we got a raise at our job, we're not even, and listen, this is how we got to get into the kingdom mindset. If we got a raise at the job, what we would be thinking about is what we would do for ourselves. Some of us, when we get a raise, we've already spent the money on ourselves before we get it. Because we are not intentional givers in this nation. We are intentional consumers in this nation. We eat all that we have. I'm preaching better this time than the other two. We, we're eating all that we have. We're thinking in terms of if I got more, all we think about is I would get this, I would get that, I would do this to my house, I would buy that car, I would get this guy. We're not even thinking the same way God thinks. If we were thinking the same way God thinks, when the raise was coming our way, we would already be thinking of a way that we could be intentionally generous. A way, not, not that you can't enjoy the blessing, but you got to start thinking like God thinks. He don't want you blessed so you can tell everybody you're blessed. He wants you blessed so that you can be a blessing everywhere you go. If you'll get your mind linked up with God's mind about money and you start thinking of ways to actually be a blessing instead of holding your hand out, I promise you if God can get it through you, God will get it to you. I dare somebody to give him praise if you believe that. Some of us, man, we, we, we're about to come into increase and we've already spent it. It hadn't even hit our bank account, and it's gone. I mean, we're so good in America, we've actually figured out, we figured it out, how to spend more than we make. Don't worry, next week we're not talking about this. It ends today. Three weeks is enough. So I want to give you three types of givers. This is what we're going to end with. The first one is the spontaneous giver. Spontaneous giver. This is the person who they are moved to give. You know, they have an impression. God, God spoke to me and said, I need to give. Or they're flipping channels and they see starving children and they're moved and they give. It's a spontaneous giver. Most people are spontaneous givers. 
Nothing wrong. We need to be spontaneous givers. There are times when we need to move in an attempt to meet a need, to bless someone, that we need to be able to flow with that. The problem with spontaneous giving is if that is the only way you give, you will be limited to what you can give. Now, there are examples of spontaneous giving in, in the Scripture. If you look at um, it's in Luke chapter 10, the Good Samaritan, a guy is beaten, left for dead, two pastors walk by, don't help him, but this Good Samaritan stops, recognizes this is a need, this guy has been beaten, left for dead, and spontaneously, what does he do? The Bible says he pours in the oil and the wine, he doesn't stop there, he gets the guy, takes him to a hotel, puts him up in the hotel, pays all of his expenses, and Luke 10.35 says the next day he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, said, look after him. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So, so what you see is a man who had a generous eye. How many know it would have been easy, because the Bible says two other guys walked right by. It would have been easy to follow the crowd. All right, I'll just walk by too. But no, he spontaneously, he was moved upon to meet the need because he had a generous heart and a generous eye. Another great example, two weeks ago, we talked about the little boy and his Happy Meal. Y'all remember that? A few loaves and a few fish, and he showed up to hear Jesus teach. What you have to understand about the little boy, when he got up that morning and brought his Happy Meal, he wasn't planning on, when he woke up and got that Happy Meal ready, he wasn't planning on giving it away. That wasn't the plan. He wasn't thinking, I'm going to make this lunch so I can go give it away. He was thinking, I'm going to make this lunch, and when I get hungry, bless God, I'm eating. But he's there, Jesus is preaching, and Jesus says, we need to feed these people. Do we have anything to work with? What happened? Spontaneous little boy said, here's some loaves and fish. And a miracle came out of him moving spontaneously. So I would encourage spontaneous giving, but I would not limit your giving too spontaneous, or you'll be very limited in what you're able to do. The second level is strategic giving. This is people who actually plan to be generous. Now, this takes a jump. Most of us are spontaneous. Like, we come and we, oh, pastor preached, I need to give, right? But it stops there. It stops there. We, we, we flip the channels, we see a need, we give, but it stops there. Strategic giving means I'm making a plan to cultivate generosity in my life. That I'm not going to stay stuck at the same level of giving all the days of my life. I'm going to grow in my giving. I'm going to be strategic. When I do the budget, I'm going to build in generosity. I'm going to build in opportunities for me to bless other people. Uh, many of you when, you, when you agreed to the Imagine campaign, to give above what you normally do over two years, do you know what you were doing? You moved from a spontaneous giver to a strategic giver. You started intentionally giving more. Now, it's a project, but how many know God will bless whatever you agreed to do? Because it was a commitment. You made a plan. You, you might have had, had to change some of what you did with your finances just to be able to follow through with it, to make it a priority. But, but here's what Isaiah 32 and 8 says. It says, generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to do what is generous. So you can actually make a plan 
to live a generous life. Now, we bring the tithe, and, and I, so, some of us are going to struggle with this. The tithe belongs to God, but generosity doesn't begin until after the tithe has been brought. So when we tithe, we're not generous yet. That already belongs to God. So tithe is just God's. If I want to move into generosity, i got to go above the tithe. That is when I start becoming generous. Now, for some people, what, what, what they need to do is to take one step. Maybe this year I'm going to plan an extra 1% on how to be generous with it. I'm not saying you got to wake up tomorrow and say, all right, I'm going from 10 to 20. How many know your budget may take a big old hit? Y'all smile. Come on, help me out a little. But you got to plan for it. you got to determine that you're going to grow in generosity as a follower of Christ. I'm going to bring the first 10% to God. It belongs to Him, but I'm also going to develop a plan that helps me to raise the percentage of my giving, that I can become more generous, okay? Um, what that will do, let me, let me say this before we finish. What that will do, it, it will actually help you to become prayerful about your generosity. It will help you to pray about what God would have you to do above what you normally do. The third thing is the worship team comes back is the sacrificial giver. These are the fanatics. These are the people that give and give and give, and they give, they give till it hurts. They give sacrificially. A lot of us would look at people that move in this realm and, and think, why would they give so much? And, and here's what I want you to get about this, and I want to make sure I slow down and convey this the right way. We all know that when a person gives that when they don't have a lot, it's a sacrifice, right? Come on, this is yes and this is no. Okay, if they, if they don't have a lot and they give, we recognize it as a sacrifice, right? But here's what I want you to get. You can be wealthy and still give sacrificially. Now, a lot of people don't want to talk about this because we want to think sacrifice is always when we give out of our need. And that is. That's a sacrifice. But how much more would we need to be giving if we're giving out of our wealth, out of our abundance, for it to be a sacrifice? Now, some, some people are like, well, how do you know when it's a sacrifice? Oh, believe me, you'll know. Because when it's a sacrificial gift... Listen, you feel that thing leave. There are people that can write $10,000 checks and not even feel it go. Because it's not even a sacrifice to them. But there are people that if they wrote a $50 check, it would be a sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? So how do I know if it's a sacrifice? I feel it go. You ever given above what you normally do because you knew God had spoke to your heart and when you gave it, it was almost hard to give it? because it hurt, you felt that thing go. And, and I'll be honest with you, the 8.30 service, I wanted to go back home and get back in my bed under the covers because I was preaching this message and, and I, I, I don't know what it was. I felt like, man, I have missed it today. Like I have blown it with this message. And about that time, I'm thinking those thoughts. Somebody came down the hallway and said, I got to speak to you. I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. But when they walked into my office after our first service today, they said, your whole message, you have no idea what I've just lived out this weekend. I said, I can't, I can't even believe what you preached on. 
He said, I, I, I know of this family who's been really been struggling. Medical bills have been piling up, lost their job. So the credit card bills have been going up. And, and I just wanted to help them. Some way, somehow, I wanted to help them. And so I, I, I sat down to write out a check. And I was getting ready to write the check for $2,500. That's what, God, what I really felt like I should do, is to, to give them $2,500 to help them with all the stuff they had going on. And when I sat down to write the check, the Holy Spirit said, it's not 2500 I want you to give. I want you to give 10000 to that family. At that moment, he had that moment where you go, is this you, Lord? And he said, you know how you were talking about a sacrifice? When you give it, you feel it go. And with tears in his eyes, he said, I felt that 10000 go. He said, I felt that 10000 go. Like... It was a big sack. And this happened Friday night, y'all. Like, and I'm preaching on Sunday on this. I felt it go. It was a sacrifice for my family to do it, but I, I felt it go. And he found out the next day that the family he had given the 10000 to, that they had racked up because of the medical bills and the loss of income, they had $8,000 just on a credit card. But instead of sending $2,500, he obeyed the Holy Spirit and wrote $10,000, and it covered all those bills. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, sometimes you got to take a step and sacrifice. You, you, you don't know who it's going to bless, but listen, you know what I can't wait for? is the testimony on that $10,000 sacrificial gift because I know you can't outgive God. And I, I, I want this man to know, and I'm going to tell him this week, that what you gave $10,000, God will give some 30, some 60, some 100-fold back into your life. How many will agree with me that this individual is going to be blessed? God's going to prosper them? Sacrificial. You feel it go. We'll end with Mark 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were, were put and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. This is interesting. Jesus sat down to watch what people were giving. Think about that. I, he sat opposite so he could see what people were giving. And it said many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worthy only a fraction of a penny and calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. What was Jesus acknowledging? Yeah, there were some big, big gifts, some rich people giving, but none of them felt it go. It was a big amount, but in relation to what they made, it was not a big amount. And this lady comes and puts a penny in and says, she's given more than everybody. She moved in to sacrificial giving. See, generosity is not just about bringing the tithe and trusting God with that, but it's about developing a heart of generosity and I to be generous. And sometimes we're going to be very strategic in our giving so that we can do more. And listen, if we're really following Christ, there will be times where we have to move into sacrificial giving. See, there ain't no amens on that. You know why? We want the blessing on it, but we don't want to step out to do it. How many want to grow in generosity? Anybody want to grow in it? Come on, did you receive anything from the Lord today, from, from the Word of God? Would you stand with me today all over this place? I just want you to...
bow your heads as you stand, close your eyes, no one looking around. I want you to make it your prayer that you really grow in this area. We should be growing in it. If we're giving at the same level today as we were five, ten years ago, something's wrong. We should be growing in this, developing, becoming more generous, blessed to be a blessing. Maybe for you, you're not a tither. Your first step is, man, trust God with the tithe. Bring that to him. Give God 90 days. Give God a year with that. And watch and see if he will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessing you don't have room enough to receive. Maybe for you, you've been bringing the tithe for years, but you've never been strategic about doing more than that. I would encourage you to pray about that. God, help us grow in generosity. As we close our service today, as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're here and you're like, I appreciate the message on money, Pastor, but I really need Jesus. Well, you are in the right place. If you're in this place, you say, that's me, Pastor. I don't know Jesus. Me and God are not on the same page. I'm not right with God. I've got sin in my life. I need His grace and forgiveness. I need to make Jesus my Lord and Savior, and I want to do that today. If that's you, I don't want to embarrass you, but would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that is me. Thank you for these hands up front, for the one online, for the one in the back. God bless you. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else before we pray? One back here. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else this morning? Let's pray together. I want every voice lifted. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need to be saved. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all those hands that went up. Yes. If you made that commitment today, I want to encourage you to pull out the I've Decided card in the seat back in front of you. And just let us know you made a decision for Christ. You can leave it in your seat. Our staff will come by and get it. This time, though, we're going to open up these altars for a time of prayer. I'm going to ask my staff and prayer team to come forward. As we sing this last song, don't leave without prayer. If you need prayer, we are here to pray for you. God bless you today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.